It's Wednesday, January 15th, and it's about damn time to just release this thing. This is Cockatrice Nuggets with Rich Frazier, serving you up a heaping helping of RPG nuggets straight to your gaming table. So I have in front of me Fire on the Velvet Horizon. <clears throat> this is um, currently one of my favorite um, OSR authors, Patrick Stewart, and I was thinking of doing a read-through of the book. Um, I don't know how far I'll get. Um, I don't know uh, if I'll skip around, uh, but for now we're going to stop it, start at the beginning. Basically what it is, it's a monster book, <clears throat> but it has no stats in it. Um, from what I understand, Scrap Princess drew the pictures, and then um, Patrick Stewart wrote the prose. Uh, it may have been the other way around, uh, but then Scrap Princess designed the pages as well. There's a lot of stuff here that was uh, <clears throat> cut apart typewriter paper and um, pasted onto uh, another sheet of paper and then photocopied. So it's got a very unique art style, as if her art style wasn't already. Alright, so uh, the first entry is Abhorrors. They are, above all, creatures of law, of form, and they process. They will never break a rule unless they do... They are beyond. They will never break a rule, and until they do, they are beyond the reach of either blade or wrath. Anyone approaching one can clearly see it is a slug. A huge, monstrous slug, nine feet high with shark-like triangle mouth, intelligent black eyes, and rows of flaccid arms hanging from its sides. They do not like interacting with the world except to destroy. Each has a kind of darkly colored sheath around the head and body with five pulsating organs on each side like lipless circular mouths, always threatening to disgorge something. As you approach, the urge to kill it rises in your throat like a broaching spew. Your fingers twitch with the desire to do it harm, to pierce its monstrous body with blade, to crush it with a weight, to slice its grinning face, anything at all, to let it be no more, to burn the wound of it from this world. But your fingers loose from your hilt. Your first fist refuses to clench. You reach out, smiling, to shake it by the hand. Nothing, nothing disordered the abhorrer can stand. Nothing disordered the abhorrer can stand. It is a pool of order in the world. Nothing illegal can happen around it. Nothing impolite. No one can be hurt or struck or harmed. People can be hanged or whipped or otherwise destroyed, but only if it is within the law. Simply to be in the presence of an abhorrer is to be bound by social law. The assumptions of politeness take on the raw enforcement of physics. A greeting must be returned, an invitation exchanged, a compliment dealt. This is the mysterious influence to be shaken off or dispelled. This is no mysterious influence to be shaken off or dispelled. It is the true nature of reality wherever the abhorrer is. Everyone near an abhorrer hates it and wants to destroy it, and this can never do this they can never do, except by legal process. All and abhorrers are very good lawyers. They know all the laws. All of them. And the abhorrers hate everything. They hate everything, every race, every culture, not with the distinct poetic loathing of remorseless gods. They hate in a particular way. They hate your clothes. They hate your smell. They hate the way you stand and the color of your skin and your shoes and your jokes. They hate you. They hate everyone. But right now, at this particular moment, they hate you. They are incredibly intelligent and well-read. They love art. They love to seek out the best art and arrange it in the finest collections, then safely and legally burn it to the ground. They like to watch. 
If slavery is, is legal, then they like to buy the strongest and most beautiful people and chain them in rows, and safely and legally burn them alive. As the abhorrors see the world, there, is, there are only beings like them, beings who are lying about being like them, or beings that are too stupid to be like them. They generally do not comprehend that all other races and cultures do not regard each other with the same secret and eternal hate. They will assume that any claims to the contrary are clever lies and politely pretend to agree. They love petty wrongs, illusions, small flaws, mild lies, and worming resentments that make up a part of daily life, treating them with complicit amusement and secret joy. If they see this behavior in this way, they will mark their notice with some look or turn of phrase that indicates that you have been accepted into a clever clique. They are dangerous and difficult to encounter in the wilds, but the truth that they pose is to a civilized land. In a city, they are a nightmare of law, a demon of civilization. The longer an Apoor stays within the city, the more powerful it becomes. It arrives as a wealthy dealer in slaves or sugar. Everyone despises it and wishes to destroy it. Of course, to begin with, the various priests and heroes make serious efforts to get rid of it. They are unable to do so. In fact, they are scrupulously polite to it. Gradually, over time, the ability of the city tire of dreaming of destroying the abhorrer. Slowly, horribly, they get used to it. They must tolerate it, and inwardly, they slowly surrender to its influence. And the abhorrer is very useful. It is a legal expert, an accomplished creature of business, and a very socially connected. An abhorrer can do very well indeed. It can become a lawyer, a council member, perhaps even the leader of a city itself. All the time, in every way it can, through every legal means, and with every effort it expels, the abhorrer is trying to corrupt and destroy everyone and everything around it. It wants to see them morally and spiritually ruined and then physically destroyed, legally, decently. It will trick families into debt, it will support the expansion of slavery, it will gleefully enforce the cruelest laws, and it will destabilize the economy. It will encourage factionalism and resentment and pointless feuds. Abhorrors have been beaten in two ways, the path of chaos and the path of crime. The chaotic path needs revolution, invasion, destruction, inversion, or a total overending of the law. The social compact must be utterly dissolved. In a state of revolution, when the normal laws are being cast down, or invasion, when an old law is suppressed and lost, or simply, simply utter chaos, then the abhorrors can be fought. With no defining structure to embody in a fest, they are made vulnerable and can be physically attacked. Of course, the side effects of such a path can be severe. Many innocents will die, and the creature must be killed in the chaos between social worlds. As a new order emerges from the mess, the abhorrer will infest it and once again. The city patriarch becomes the people's commandant. The other path, the cunning path, is the law of noble crime. The abhorrer must be a law. That is what it is. It is simply incapable of doing otherwise. But laws can be perverted, judges bribed, juries bought. Facts can be fabricated, evidence invented, and witnesses diluted from the truth. To use this path, it involves becoming minor lords of, a cr of crime. Those who engage in it must risk all and dare everything, placing themselves in danger not only from common groups of organized crime, often more well-connected to authority than they would wish to admit, but also by breaking the plethora of laws that make themselves subject to arrest if anything comes out. A conspiracy must be constructed, a network of events that implies the abhorrer in some treasonous and utterly extra-legal crime, something so vile and extreme that the most total sanction must be sought. 
This conspiracy must be ironclad, provable, and utterly made up. A mad confection of facts, yet testable in court. Abhorrors cannot break the law. If they are subpoenaed, they will attend. They are, if they are formally arrested, they will quietly come. If they are tried and convicted in a court of law, they must accept the verdict. They will die passively. Screaming, placing their own heads upon the block, calling it out that they have been framed, set up, and sent down. It is the truth, but no one will care. Everybody hates abhorrors. And anyway, the verdict was fair. Well, folks, things have really changed in my life. Things are on a new tra trajectory, we'll say. Things are interesting now. Um, not that they weren't interesting before, not that my life wasn't on something crazy before, but I got my commute back. Um, I stopped working at the post office. Um, it was a brutal job. Uh, I, man, if I was single, I could definitely do it. Um, if I didn't have kids, I could definitely do it. But man, married with kids, it's brutal, right? I got other people in my life I got to take care of and uh, working 14 hour days just not, doesn't work, you know? Um, I was hoping to get through the holidays and then try and find something better, different. Um, but yeah, it just, it just stopped working for me. Um, like so many other things in my life, it worked until it didn't. Um, but it gave me some confidence, right? It, uh, it gave me some positivity. It gave me some, uh, what's the word? I don't know. Um, faith in myself. I don't know. So, um, like the, what, what pushed it over the top was I, um, I, w I was accused of doing something that I did and I was like, you know, I was distraught over it instead of, instead of rising to the occasion, right? And I realized that I was distraught because I had only gotten six hours of sleep the night before and I've been working 14 hour days. So, uh, yeah, I kind of decided that, uh, hey, maybe this isn't worth it. And uh, I was worried about losing my job at the time, so I started applying at a bunch of different places um, before I had decided to quit. And once I decided to quit, then and there, um, I called up and quit. I was like, hey man, I'm not coming in tomorrow. I'm, I'm not coming in, showing up at 5.30 to say I quit and then go back to bed. So when's the boss gonna be there? I'll be there then. <laughs> um, the boss was really cool about it. He was like, hey man, this is a brutal job. I get it. Family comes first, you come first. Take care of yourself. We'll be here if you change your mind. Um, and then at, right after I quit, I, uh, I went to a job interview. And I did something I never asked, I did before. I asked for more money. This was encouragement from my wife. Um, and uh, I believed in myself, you know? I was like, I, I do deserve more money. I, I, I do. I, I'm an excellent employee. I can do the job that she's asking me to without her telling me about it, right? I can, she can drop all this crap in my lap and uh, I can do it, right? Uh, I need to learn her way of doing it, that was the thing. Um, oh my God, did I bring my lunch? I did, okay, woo, panic, panic set in there, wow. Um, anyway, so, so I'm working in Santa Cruz, uh, which is about a 45 minute commute away, which means more time to podcast. I love it, um, makes me super happy. I'm, I'm glad to get back to this. Um, the post office took, took away from my family and it took 
a lot of stuff away from me. It took away my gaming. It took away my podcasting. It took away my writing. Um, it took away what little social activities I did. Um, and I get to have all those back now. Uh, I'm, I'm getting, on average, about three extra hours a day if I count the commute. And, uh, and 14 hours a weekend, right? Because I only had one day off. I was only getting one day off. And now I'm going to get two. Uh, maybe not in a row, but that doesn't matter. I can, uh, I may be able to convince her to give me two days in a row because I, uh, I like most other people, am willing to work weekends. I don't mind working weekends. I love working weekends because uh, most people don't, and uh, it doesn't matter to me. Weekdays are just the same as weekends. Uh, my kids are homeschooled, so it makes no difference to me. Anyway, that's what's new in my life, and now, uh, now let's talk about the abhorrer. Man, what a way to start off a book. Um, this is just one thing in, in this book, and uh, it's the beginning, you know? And it doesn't, doesn't go downhill from here. It's uh, definitely, there's definitely some amazing creatures in here. Um, like I said, no stats, so, right? It, it encourages you to use this in a different way than a typical monster. Sure, if you were into that, you could sit down and you could uh, stat it out. Um, I mean, the easiest thing to do would be to snatch something from one of your monster manuals that's compatible with it and uh, slap that on there. Um, but you don't even need to, right? No one is going to fight this thing. It is so difficult to figure out how to fight. This is a long-running enemy in a campaign, right? This this is an amazing monster to drop into anywhere or everywhere. Could you imagine like, like going to um, a different plane, maybe Mechanus, right? And these, these guys are how, you know, law controls the plane by using these abhorrors, you know? Or even like um, going to a new continent in your world where every city's got one of these guys in it and he makes those cities better, right? But at the same time, he's awful, 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 and nobody likes him. So what could we do with this, right? We can, we can like I said, make it, he could be at the center of a campaign, right? Or at least the center of an arc. Um, low level, high level, it doesn't matter. This, this guy doesn't seem hard to kill uh, in a straight up combat, but Getting to the point where you can have a straight-up combat is super difficult, right? You've got to find... It, it's not even about combat, right? It's about, it's about getting him punished, right? It's about falsifying information to get him punished for some heinous deed so he can be executed, right? And he'll walk right into it. That's what the, the, the book said. They will walk right into it knowing... That they have been they have been they have been deemed guilty by the law, and the law is what they live by. So, if if that's going to be the case, then they're they're just going to turn themselves in. All right. So, how would we add this guy into a low-level campaign? Um, I think I think you could have you could have the PCs wander into town, 
Uh, but I think I'd much rather have them start in the town, right? Have this be their first adventure, right? So they're, they're living under this law that is like, um, like the Sheriff of Nottingham, right? Where just the laws are so like either obtuse or like just degrading to people. And there's crazy laws that have been put in before this abhorred came along. And this abhorred has been there, right? So uh, the PCs get to see how, how things have changed after the abhorred got there maybe. Um, you know, maybe there's some elves in the area they can talk to and say, oh, 100 years ago, you know, when this thing came, uh, the laws cemented, right? The, the laws haven't changed since then. The laws haven't gotten better and, and the world has changed since then, right? Maybe this was a small kingdom, so they had to have a tight rein on things. And um, that poor came in early. And as this place grew and needed different laws, um, those laws weren't enacted because the abhorrer made it feel like, you know, the law is the law and this is the way we're going with it. So you can have the PCs um, either have a common NPC or have each of their lives affected by, by the law somehow, you know. Your mother's dragged off to the dungeon because, you know, she was trying to make some money on the side by selling some of her crops to some people who needed needed the food instead of giving it to the king, right? Or um, maybe a, a common NPC is killed because um, he did something that was against the law, but but still, you know, the morally right thing to do. I think that's where this creature excels is finding that line between morally correct and the law and just drawing, you know, cutting it right there and saying, you know, on this side, morally correct. On this side, the law. So in this situation, maybe maybe the law is wrong, right? But having the abhorrer there is going to make it so that the law is always right. And have the PCs realize that, hey, this thing is what is creating this tension. And if we can get rid of this tension, maybe we could get rid of some of these laws and maybe we could get some, uh, some gray area in these laws, right? Not so black and white, but have a, a middle zone in there. And then um, from there, they would have to... Well, I think no matter... I, that's the intro, I think, for a low-level play. Um, I think where it can go after they defeat the Abhorrer could be um, like maybe maybe the king is so used to these laws that uh, he doesn't want to change them or um, you know the ruler says that uh, you know she likes the laws the way they are and she's going to keep enforcing them the way they are so then they've got a, um, a new enemy to lead them into their second tier adventure um so uh, a tier two party, right? A, med a mid-level party. Um, I like using tiers from fifth edition. I don't know. It seems like they were a fourth edition thing and maybe a third edition thing, but I really like dividing the 20 levels up into kind of like power levels and uh, giving them, you know, ideas to work with. So um, mid-level level is more of like an area, right? Instead of like 
low level tier one is the town. So let's let's expand this support to an area, to a, to a kingdom, right? Instead of a town. So the whole kingdom is being affected now. And the PCs get to travel around from place to place. Um, maybe in the first half of this tier, you know, five and six, um, they can go from town to town having different adventures and we can be seeding these threads from each town on how this law is just so corrupt but so unforgiving and there's no way you know around it and then finally having a breaking point right where the pcs are like we have to do something about this law you know it's not just farmer ted getting dragged off to the dungeon for a week it's not just you know um farmer's wife wilma you know in the stocks for five days but it's it's like a whole town being dragged down, right? Like this, maybe this, this genocide of a town because of something someone did. And, you know, the, the king's army comes in and says, no, this land is ours now. Uh, we're going to make a military base out of it. So if you want to stay and build, fine. If not, then you need to leave. And, uh, you know, make it so that, that people, you know, have no choice. They have to leave because they can't stay and build, you know? They can't, uh, they aren't going to be supported by this new economy that is being put into place by the king seizing their land for one reason or another. So then the PCs go to the, the king or the ruler and they, they plead their case. They're like, come on, man, you got, you've got to see that this is wrong. And uh, the poor's influence comes in over them. And, and, and then they feel like, you know, completely disgusted but enthralled by this being and uh, instructed to, you know, keep the law. And, um, they understand at that moment that that's their enemy and they need to figure out how to get to him, right? And this could be more, more politically, right? As the characters get more powerful, I try to pull away from combat a little more. I try to make combat the least likely solution to a problem. Um, not that I say I take combat out of my games. I, I like to have that combat there and I like it to be an obstacle to overcome but I don't want it to be the way to defeat, you know, the story, to, to win the story or whatever. Um, I like to have some intrigue. I like to have some hard choices. Uh, so, you know, maybe, maybe we find out that beyond the poor's influence, uh, things are chaotic, you know? There is a, again, drawing back to this, this black and white, right? This no gray area. With a where the abhor's influence ends, the chaos begins, right? And there's bandits, and um, depending on how far you want to take it, rape, murder, uh, thievery, um, just uh, unsettling, you know, child slavery. I mean, you could go, you could go as dark as you wanted on the other side of this line, right? Um, and I, I would use caution, of course, depending on who your players are. Um, definitely find out where their line is and, uh, you know, don't cross that line. Uh, push it, right? Push up against it. Allude to it. But don't cross that Alright, so what about a uh, Tier 3 campaign or arc? Um, tier 3 is like a global scale, right? This is the, the whole area, the whole, the whole shebang, everything that... Um, is influenced in these their, their world. It could be it could be just the country, um, 
it could be right if they were operating in states before you know to to put it in a a term like america um then they would be operating in the country right they're operating in the country before um then they would be operating in the continent right or if they were operating in the continent before they could be operating in the world you know it just depends on how big a space you're working with you know um so a worldwide thing um there would be maybe a network of these abhorrors, right? Abhorrors everywhere. And this is, again, how the law is, is enforced, right? The, how the law is uh, sustained. And uh, I, it, it would feel awfully similar to, to the previous one, I think, where you would have them traveling around to these different areas and eventually tying it back to the abhorrer somehow. Um, finding these these uh maybe maybe starting off in a lawless pocket right um traveling to a new continent finding out that hey this is the th- the way things work oh see okay so here we go so we travel to a new continent right and it's a little backwards it's a little more savage and the laws are uh, a little more primitive right so there's a lot more just uh kind of eye for an eye um you stole so you get your hand cut off kind of things um, and, and the, uh, the, the PCs try to push against this, right? And they find out that, um, that behind the scenes is an abhorrer, right? And that this abhorrer, um, you know, they, they, they try and figure out how it can be defeated. And, you know, then they find out that there's this network of abhorrors, right? And then beyond that, they find that not only on this continent is there this network of abhorrors, but on their own continent, that's the way things have been working all along, right? They're just because their rules were a little different, that that's, that's how the abhorrer was accepted more, right? And uh, then they find out the secret and then they have this decision to make, right? What, what constitutes law? What enforces law? What, what is their choice going to be? Are they going to wage war on these abhorrors? Are they going to try to get them all taken out? Are they going to find some other way to do this? Are they going to um, accept that, you know, it works in their, their country and it doesn't work in this other continent? Um, are they going to try to free this continent or are they just going to leave it be? Um, again, the tough decisions. Tough decisions. I really like those. Um, for planar, uh, tier four, that's, uh, that's where things start to get crazy, right? You start, uh, hopping planes. Um, this is like, uh, 17 through 20, right? This is, um, and, and again, these are all guidelines, right? These are all kind of like an easy way to digest it. And like I was describing earlier, if you're already in the planes, then make it bigger, right? Make it, you know, if you're already like in the last example, that could be a planar, planar adventure. Um, it could be you go to this plane and find out that's how this thing works and you come back to your world and you find out that's what's been working here all along. Um, and then you find out in these other worlds, right, that, that things are crazy. Um, but you, the idea is that you step up each time, right? I'm running a uh, tier, it's, it's in between tier two and tier three right now, I think. Um, it might be at the bottom of tier three, everybody might. Um, but it, it's already in, in the planes, right? Because I've, I've pushed farther, I've pushed harder, I've made it more heroic. Um, and if you're, you know, 
And if you're not pushing that hard, if you're making it more gritty, you know, maybe you're still in the world, you know, maybe this is your continental adventure here. Um, but anyway, so thinking planarly, plan, planarly, thinking about the planes, you know, there, um, I know there's another plane of law aside from Mechanus, um, but maybe, maybe these planes of law are infiltrating these planes of chaos, right? And, um, moving them out of balance, right? Maybe, uh, wow, this is, this is a favorite topic of mine, so excuse me for jumping right to the blood war, but maybe the devils have discovered how, you know, how to harness the power of these abhorrors, right? And uh, the devils don't care that they're there because they're all about the law, right? They're all about doing things inside the law. Uh, so, so they can take these abhorrors maybe and somehow um, are planting them in uh, the abyss, right? And bringing order to the chaos that is the abyss. And this is throwing off the cosmic balance of um, law versus chaos. Uh, and, and the chaotic planes and, and even the lawful good planes, right, are seeing this and saying that, you know, if this goes on for many more, you know, eons or whatever, however, however you want your planar beings to think of in time, um, then eventually this, the whole thing could be out of whack, right? Everything, once, once the abyss falls to law, then the evil planes, the lower planes, start to look up to the higher planes for their, their crusade, right? Because um, with the blood war right now, the, the devils and demons are keeping themselves busy fighting each other, and that's keeping them out of the upper planes, the good planes, and the neutral planes. So, so bringing the focus back to evil and, and pushing evils, you know, law ultimately triumphing, and then pushing lawful evils um, views on the rest of the planes uh, that with the demons in tow, the devils can sweep through the higher planes without too much of a trouble problem, right? This is, this is the concern of, of the other planes and why the blood war has existed for so long. Um, so I think that having, having one of, uh, either like a celestial, um, or maybe even a neutral party, right? Like a, a, a neutral, neutral being coming and uh, maybe starting with the party's druid or somebody else who is that that neutral, neutral uh, center of the uh, the axis, um, coming to them and saying, "Look, this is the situation. This is what is happening. The scales are tipping, right?" And maybe have some sort of cosmic scale there to show them, you know, this is this is where we sit and watch which way the scales go, and then we use our influence to influence the other side, right, cosmically. So this is that whole um, uh, Mordenkainen thing, right? Mordenkainen, uh, Tome of Foes, he, he is a, um, a powerful neutral, right? He, he seeks to balance. And um, there's the, the way he's portrayed in that book is that um, he, he's uninterested in the immediateness of an action, but more interested in the outreaching 
uh, effects of that app, of that action. So um, maybe he might be a good one if you're playing D&D to bring in and say, hey, you know, things are really out of whack here and I need some people to go in and help me fix this. You know, it's not going to be an easy job. It's not going to be a pleasant job. It's not going to be... Rescuing demons is not something that you want to be doing, right? This is... Wow. Wow. Um, I might steal this idea from myself. <laughs> I might I might put this one into action. This is a really, really good plot. This is really exciting for me, you know? This is... Uh, this is some crazy shit that uh, we could use this in horror for. for. And, um, yeah, really cool stuff. Um, so what do you guys think? You know, what are your ideas? What uh, what would you do with this, this creature? Um, how would you use him? Give me a call. Let me know. Send me an email. Let me know. Um, using Anchor. So, you know, just click that uh, call button my show notes uh click that call button in my um in your in the anchor app or uh drop me an email through um through my show notes and uh man if you're not picking up this book this is a great book Uh, i plan on continuing this this thread um i really like i really like the ideas that uh i'm coming forth here um i really think that uh um this might be a good structure for, for going on for right now, uh, interspersed maybe with a couple more, um, hopefully, uh, play reports as I get back into D&D and, uh, find some time to play with my friends. Um, yeah, I think, uh, this shall continue. So like I said, I think I'm going to, uh, continue to, um, read from this book and, and do this kind of format. I I like this, uh, uh, going through each tier and describing kind of an adventure or uh, an arc that we could use these creatures for in each of those tiers. Um, this this first one was kind of kind of kind of meta, right? It's, it's kind of fucking intense and in the background and a little a little bigger than uh, some of the other creatures are going to be. Uh, some of them are probably going to have uh, a lot smaller role, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm really excited to do this. Um, also, if, uh, if you guys have ideas for creatures that you want me to check into, to read about, to read about on air, and uh, maybe come up with uh, some tiered adventures or, you know, arcs about them, uh, I, I'd love for you guys to call in and uh, let me know. Let me know what that is. Another thing I want to talk about is Witchburner. I finally got my physical copy. Um, again, I don't know what difference that makes. I like PDFs. I like reading PDFs. I'm okay reading PDFs. Um, I have a big phone, so it's easy to read PDFs, but, uh, yeah, I'm, um, I, I've brought it to work with me today. I might spend my lunch reading on it and, uh, it's definitely something that I'm going to discuss here. And, uh, I don't know, it might be, might be a good way to step back into, um, into, uh, role-playing with, uh, a little light kind of, uh, Hey, we're going to get together this day and, uh, throw down some dice and uh, some witch burner. Sounds exciting. Anyways, so I'll talk to you guys soon. That's all the nuggets we've got this week. Show notes available at slackernerds.com. Want to reach out? Send a voice message using the new link in my show notes, the Anchor FM app or website. 
email me at my new email address, cockatricenuggets at gmail.com, and check out my blog at Slacker Nerds with links to my Patreon and all my other socials. Come join us on the Audio Dungeon Discord server linked in my show notes. This podcast is ranked via iTunes, so leave me a review and some stars there. Share it with your friends or shout it from the rooftops. However you want to get the word out is great with me. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.